Hi, and welcome to the Perfectly Balanced Podcast, where this does put a smile on our face. I am Mitch, and with me today is Anthony. Hello. And this is our second episode of the podcast, which uh, I'm happy we made it this far. I had my doubts, um, but we managed to reconvene after not too long away, so... I don't know if we'll keep this up. I said this last time, but you know, whenever we do release an episode, it's it it is like you are being smiled upon by the podcast gods. Uh, yes, everyone should feel very grateful. Uh, I apologize for my voice. I'm currently uh, I had a sore throat this morning, and then it felt okay. And I talked to um, somebody a lot this afternoon, and I think that's why my voice sounds like uh, as sexy as it usually does. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say you're getting extra sultry, Anthony, tonight. He is. He is smoky. He is like a 1930s femme fatale right now. That's right. I've got. We are here for it. I've got a case, and only you can crack it. <laughs> He's got legs for days. Gams out there. <laughs> yeah, the gams. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of other noises on the podcast, no one said anything about this, which I'm glad. But my chair was squeaking so much last time, and I had to spend so much time editing it out that I it was easier just to go get a new chair. So there will be no creaks or squeaks from my chair this week. Hopefully, we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, set up a GoFundMe to reimburse him for the chair. Yeah, if you if you guys could do that, I actually need like ten thousand dollars. This chair was ridiculous. I should not have bought it. Yeah, I could use um. Let me see how much my mortgage is. Uh, I mean, my chair, <laughs> yeah, my chair. <laughs> your chair mortgage. Yeah, let yeah. me look up my my mortgage too. We'll, we'll we'll get that taken care of. Yeah, we'll get sorted. But yeah, appreciate all the people who listened to the last podcast. Um, always good to know that people are still hungry for Mitch and Anthony content out there. <laughs> yeah. Spoken all, Mitch and Anthony content. There are literally dozens of you. <laughs> literally dozens, which I, I feel is pretty good for a first episode after like five yeah, we, years of not doing one. We've got room to grow. Exactly. Up and up. Uh, so probably a shorter cast today. We went on a bit long last time uh, because we were just talking about the MCU and, you know, we, we are big Marvel shills. Uh, so mm-hmm. lots to talk about there. But we're just going to hit a few things quickly. Uh, so Anthony is going to give an update on Returnal and Resident Evil 8. So uh, Anthony, take it away. Yes. Yeah, so Returnal, um, I haven't... Um... I haven't progressed any further in the game since we last spoke because I haven't really dived into it um, too much because I was playing Resident Evil and then Mass Effect and uh, all that. But um, yeah, I've kind of turned on that game a little bit. It is fun to play, but it is such bullshit that um, I don't really want to play it very much. Um, Because it's that thing where the runs are so long and you die and you don't want to go oh one more run you just want to go fuck you i'm playing something more fun that's you know makes me happy as opposed to pisses me right off and i'm in this um this third area and i will be uh, fighting these enemies and sometimes i'll just die and i won't know who hit me or why or how and you just die and you're just like well i guess that was that good run gone um so i'm just a little pissed at that game right now so until i clear up the uh the like the Mass Effect backlog and you know other things. Um, I may do a run here or there, but there's not going to be any sustained playing of Returnal until they add a safe system or something like that. So that game can fuck off. So yeah, so I, I guess that was the point of concern last time was like the safe system, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, that ended a, up being the thing. Yeah, I just because I don't want to spend three hours and then die and then you know that's it so i rush through the areas trying to 
you know, make some progress um, instead of like taking my time and clearing out every single area and room in order to make my character stronger. And I'm just sort of handicapping myself by doing that. So uh, until I get a save system, um, there's not much I can do with it with the time I have. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's definitely a bummer. But I mean, if the game if the game doesn't respect your time, I guess yeah. like why why put so much effort into it if you're just gonna feel defeated every time? Yeah, you know? I get like very little joy of from playing it. I'm just like, okay, I'll do one run, then I'll play Mass Effect, and then I'll die, and I'll just be like, man, fuck this game. Man, that's brutal. What what about Resident Evil Eight though? So you you've wrapped that up, right? So <laughs> yes, you're, you're done. Did, did you did you cancel Lady Dimitrescu? Oh man, I canceled her so hard. Uh, her tweets were problematic AF, um, as the kids say, right? They say that. <clears throat> I so, think yeah, I think they still say that. Um, so yeah, that game <clears throat> is fantastic. It's really great. Uh, it's not very scary. There's one section that's scary. It's it's kind of misleading. Like Lady Dimitrescu is only one section there's four major sections of the game and she's just like at the beginning and then you know once you take care of her she's gone but um there's another section that's they take away your weapons and it's just puzzles and creepiness which i really liked and there's another section that um i'm trying to think of right now uh there's one that's very very combat heavy and there's one that's kind of in between um but it's not scary because you've usually got your weapons with you but uh it's the first Resident Evil game. Look, it's stupid, okay, because it's a Resident Evil. Like, it's dumb in a fun way, but it is the first Resident Evil, like, ending that brought me to tears, which I didn't, that was, did not expect such an emotional reaction from a Resident Evil game. Wow. Um, so that was shocking. Um, but overall, it was just a really fun uh, game. It was, it's probably... It's probably in the top five of Resident Evils uh, for me. I'd have to do a ranking one day. Um, but, yeah, I really loved it. I can't recommend it enough. Um, it is not just for, like, Resident Evil fans. I think it is a great video game for anybody who wants to play a good video game. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, I am not a huge Resident Evil guy. I think we talked about this last week. Like, the only one I've really played is 5. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of my understanding was, like, 7 was a bit more serious. Yeah. And this one is definitely back to, like, kind of the crazy the craziness that you've come to expect from Resident Evil, right? I mean, I'm sure Ethan doesn't punch a boulder, but... There is a reference to Chris... In, in Resident Evil 5, for those who don't know, Chris um, Chris Redman, he punches, literally just punches a boulder, like a mountain, and, like, cracks it. Um, and in this, you fight, as you're fighting a boss, somebody makes a reference to Chris because he's in the game, and they say, oh, that boulder-punching asshole... <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious and awesome and so that's when you know you're like i'm in good hands <laughs> you know yeah like, when, these... when when they can wink at kind of the excesses of the old games you're like okay they get it they understand yes so that was yeah. uh that was oh okay i remember the third area now the third area of the game there's like the castle there's like a creepy house with a bunch of creepy dolls um, there's a factory that's very combat heavy, and then there's another area which is like um, on like a fishing village. Kind of reminds me of that, um, the fish boss from Resident Evil 4. It kind of gives you that vibe. It felt like they were trying to evoke that. Um, but yeah, overall, it was a, it was a terrific game. Um, the, uh, you know, it did. They made a big deal about bringing the inventory system back from Resident Evil 4, which is like a Tetris type thing where you got to like fit in your, you know, your everything into a, like a suitcase and you gotta flip around your sniper rifle so you can make room for your 
herbs and stuff like that. And I never had to engage with it a single time because I just kept buying the upgrades because I found enough treasure to sell that I had enough money to buy them. So it was just a total non-factor. So that just made me laugh. Yeah, uh, this game definitely seemed like it was trying to evoke the Resident Evil 4 stuff. Mm-hmm. Like setting it in a, in a spooky European village and yeah, the item case and stuff like that. Yeah, and um, what's neat about it is you're in the village, it's like a hub, and then after you complete an area, you come back and like you have to sort of explore around, but like there will be new areas that are open. Like, oh, this door was locked, and now all of a sudden, for no reason, because you beat the boss, it's unlocked now, so you can explore. So you, you know, you if you take the time to do that, you will find a lot of treasure and weapons and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it was great. Yeah, can't uh, I two thumbs way way up. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I do you need to have played 7 to get any because it's the same guy, right? It's the it is a direct sequel to 7, but I don't think I don't think you would need to have played 7, but 7 is fantastic, so you should play it. But um but I don't think you need to play it to understand. They give you enough I think they give you a recap at the beginning uh of what happened so you know so the major events are known to you and everything. So I think it's uh I think you could probably get by with it. Cool. Yeah, I've I've been thinking about checking it out, but I've been playing Mass Effect, and yes. uh, I did the the day one Vault of Glass reissue in Destiny Two, so I've been a little busy recently. But did you uh, were you able to successfully complete that? No, man. Okay, so real quick, so they brought Vault of Glass back in Destiny Two, and they had their contest mode on for the first day. So not only is it like super hard to beat it normally. But to qualify for having completed it on day one, you had to beat it normally once and then go back through and complete every encounter again, but with additional challenges on. So kind of like how they did uh, Age of Triumph back in Destiny 1, like there's certain additional modifiers or mechanics that you had to engage with with each encounter. So you pretty much had to beat the raid twice in one day to qualify for the day one and i did oh, not do it no i don't i don't blame you for that <laughs> we we did our we did our best try but uh, atheon was a super hard dps check so uh we called it quits but it was super fun i mean i, I like the day one raid experience like going in cold and figuring out i mean obviously vault of glass i already knew how to do it from destiny one there were a few changes but nothing too major but mm-hmm. going in cold and figuring out the mechanics and you know the feeling of success when you finally get after get past a boss after like six hours. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of the things that I always wanted to sort of experience myself, but whenever we did it, it was always like we had to like have a group and there was a guide who was like, oh, we're just going to go ahead and cheese it because everyone knows that, you know what I mean? Like I never, you never really get to have that experience because everyone just wants to get through it. Um, yeah. So I really do envy that kind of thing. Yeah, it was kind of funny actually that, we did it on Saturday and then we finished it on Sunday after the contest modifier was off. So we were at appropriate light level. So it wasn't like super crazy hard. And then we took a buddy of mine through it. And it was that exact situation where like everyone, all other five people knew what to do. We didn't really tell him what to do. We just sort of like bull rushed the whole thing. We cheesed a couple of the mechanics. And afterwards he sent us a message. He was like, Oh, that was actually super unsatisfying. Yep. Yep. (laughs) That's so, that was the other thing uh, about that. Yeah, so that's why the the raids are tough. Like, I get it. I get what they're trying to do, but it's just um, it's a difficult thing to balance. It is, yeah. You can't have it be so hard that it's exclusionary to most of your player base, but you also can't have it be too easy that people don't feel satisfied when they do it. So I, it's a tough thing to balance for sure. It is. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. Um, so to give your voice a little break, I, I want to take a couple minutes here to talk about a movie I watched recently from a certain visionary director, uh, and that movie is Army of the Dead on Netflix. And the director, of course, is Zack Snyder. Um, this <laughs> this movie sucks. I <laughs> like this. I watched it last week. It's two and a half hours long. So number one, it's too long for a zombie movie and an action movie. Um, and I watched it last week. And th- this movie has been consuming my thoughts because the more <laughs> I think about it, the worse it gets. Like you think, like okay, you have a casino heist in Las Vegas during a zombie ap- apocalypse. Bing bang boom. Super simple premise, should be a lot of fun, right? No. Not only does it not really have a casino heist, like, the heisting is seriously like two seconds of the movie. It's super emotionally overwrought. It's got a bunch of weird concepts that don't make any sense. He shoots the entire thing in this really shallow focus. Like, if you've seen Justice League, the end of Justice League, when he's having that, like vision of the future that batman is having and everything's like very blurry in the background and all the characters are like really weirdly like off on the side of the screen and everything's Mm. kind of blurry that's the whole movie oh great wow so he was like i started watching this i'm like okay maybe he's just doing that to kind of set up you know the whole like this is a weird zombie apocalypse type of thing no it's the whole movie i i saw pictures on twitter and i was just like what the is that is that the whole movie and everyone was like yeah that is yeah, he's his own director of photography on this one, so it's 100% intentional. And like, he apparently found some old camera lenses on eBay or something, and just slapped them on some uh, HD cameras. And I like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't think giving this dude full creative control of his movies is the way is the way to go. He he's like Hideo Kojima, where he just has like so many ideas that he needs someone to say no to him. So like, I'm gonna spoil the movie a little bit. I assume you don't care. I do not care. I'm not gonna watch it. Okay. So kind of the conceit behind this movie is that zombies take over Las Vegas, but like there's an alpha zombie, which like controls all the other zombies. Uh, And if you're bitten by him, you become an alpha. But if an alpha bites a regular person, they become like a regular zombie, which is why there's so many like regular zombies around. So that part is kind of cool. I think the idea of like giving zombies like a hierarchy is something that hasn't been done before. But almost every other idea he has in this movie is completely wasted. Number one, there's a zombie baby, which is a concept he used in his last zombie movie. So he's, mm-hmm. like, ripping off himself in addition to ripping off aliens almost wholesale. Uh, there are, uh, Speaking of aliens, there are actually aliens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Yeah, there's a couple of UFOs at the beginning of the movie. So, like, it's implied that the zombie virus is, the cause, uh, is caused by aliens, but that's never addressed again. Uh, a couple of the zombies are robots, like literally Terminator robots. Like they get shot in the face and you can see glowing blue eyes and like the Terminator silver skull. Never addressed by the movie, never addressed by the characters. Um, and then in another part of the movie, it's implied that the characters are in like a time loop. And like the way it's set up is you kind of think like, oh, this guy who's an experienced zombie killer is just messing with the safe cracker who like they brought along and he's super new to this whole thing. But then it like pans over these corpses in the vault. And he's like, oh, maybe that that's the last team that came in here to open the vault and they failed. And then the guy's like, oh, maybe it's us and we're caught in a time loop. And you think like, haha, you're just joking. But then it shows the corpses. They're dressed exactly like uh, Dave Bautista, Tignataro, and another one of the actress's characters. I forget her name right now. Ella Purnell. And then, what's that? Ella Purnell. 
No. Um, okay. I just follow her on I, Instagram, so that's the only reason I know who she is. <laughs> oh, fair enough. No, it wasn't her. Uh, I know that much. And then they're dressed like, exactly like their characters. And then it shows them, like, on screen, like, the living versions. So it's like, oh, so, like, the movie is like, okay, no. These are actually their corpses from the past, and you're in another loop. Otherwise, like, why are they showing us the, those corpses and the actors? I'm just, like, throwing my hands up over here. Like, what is this? Like, a grab bag? Of like ideas, did he just he didn't throw a dart at a bunch of words on the screen, but he threw like five darts, like and yeah, and pretty much he just decided to cut none of them out. I'm like, okay, if you want to have if you want to have zombie hierarchy, do that. If you want to have aliens, robots, time loops, pick one and make it good. Don't make a zombie heist movie with five other things that are all equally shit. It's like he wanted to do Sucker Punch again, but instead of having like the little different fantasy sequences, he put them all in one. Yeah, pretty much. I like Sucker Punch. Like, for, for those of us sh- who th- th- think that we're just shitting on Zack Snyder, I actually like Sucker Punch. I'm one of the few, so don't give me shit. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, I hate that you have, I hate that you can't talk about Zack Snyder without prefacing it that you think he's he's like a decent guy, and like Warner Bros. kind of screwed him over with Justice League, which he is, and they did by all accounts. But it's just like the man makes bad movies. You should be allowed to criticize he makes, him for like, making bad movies. On the nose, boneheaded. Okay, I want to address the one thing about the zombie song. Okay, you know, by the Cranberries. Yeah. Because okay, there are people like that song is about the you know. Um, the IRA and the Irish terrorists and, and all that stuff, whatever. Yes, but songs in different contexts mean different things. So he's allowed to use the song, and it can me- and it can evoke a feeling for something else. It doesn't have to always mean the exact thing that it means. Songs mean kind of what you want them to mean. Um, that said, it's a stupid fucking song to use because it's just so on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, 100%. I totally agree. Like, the scene that it's used in can completely retextualize a song, right? Right. But, yeah, like, the guy, the lone survivor comes out of the bank vault, and then it starts playing a very, like, mournful version of that song. And it, you just, like, I had my head in my hands the entire time, but, like, I, I just, I did, if I could, I would have put another pair of hands over my head just to be like, <laughs> Zach, buddy, like... Yeah, it's just too on the nose. Yeah, I guess I guess he's like, you know what? Doesn't work here is Hallelujah. So what else do we have? I'm I'm like 99% sure Hallelujah is in the movie. It's like two and a half hours long. I can't remember, but it's a Zack Snyder movie, so of course it is. But yeah. I mean, I I could keep going. Like, uh, I I really could. Like, I think the uh, the only thing, the only thing I liked about the movie was the like the opening credits, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a montage of how las vegas fell to the zombies that seems like a fun movie because it shows like dave bautista and all of his crew as they turn from like normal citizens into like zombie killers who go in and save people from las vegas before they wall it off with like two shipping container high wall Mm -hmm. like that okay that's also something they wall it off with also it it implies that the zombies are like kind of intelligent but they don't think to leave by just walking through a shipping container like those open from both ends right <laughs> like, yeah exactly <laughs> and also that's how they get into the city is like a shipping container so you'd think they'd be able to figure it out but anyways, only back as... to the opening sorry go ahead they're only as intelligent as the script lets them be yeah pretty much um but yeah the, the opening of the movie is pretty fun there's a lot of there's like some good gory action in here so there's like some competent zombie splatter zombie splatter but I don't know, man. If you've been thinking about watching this movie, uh, don't, unless you have two and a half hours to spare on an overindulgent, like, 
I don't even know what other adjectives I want to throw in here. Just an overindulgent, like completely inconsistent, tonally deaf, poorly shot mess. That's yeah. Two two if out of five stars. If you're going, <laughs> if you're gonna watch it, just do a bunch of tweets about it. Thread some tweets. Do a hate watch, but also don't even do that. Just move on with your life. Just move on. I mean, it's it's apparently already on track to become the most popular movie on Netflix, anyways. So I I don't believe Netflix metrics ever. Whenever they say them, um, they would they would say that. And also, that's just like how many. It just says people started it. It says how many minutes it watched, but it doesn't say if people finished it. That kind of thing. So yeah. I just never believe any Netflix metric. It's the one authority source that I refuse to believe. I believe everything else that I hear from everybody, the government, you know, Disney, uh, WWE, uh, but Netflix, I'm like, no, 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 sir. No, sir. Back it up. Show me the proof. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen, I've seen a lot of people saying like, I turned it off after 20 minutes. I'm sure Netflix counts that as a watch. So it's like 79 trillion households. Exactly. Like the way Facebook, um, you know, lied about how it calculates video watches. It's like, Oh, if a person thought about clicking on it, we counted that as a view. It's like, yeah, I guess in like some timeline they might have watched it. You like not our timeline. You can't count that. Yeah. Um. Onto a uh, a happier note. This is probably the last yeah. big thing we talk about. Mass Effect is back. It's back, baby. It's back, and guess what? It's still good. It is still good. I played. I finished the first one uh, recently, and I started. I'm on Mass Effect two, and you know the first one's always the one that's like kind of like, uh, you know, you got to kind of get through it. But um, with the changes they made to the Legendary Edition, it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, I liked it. I, I'm about where you are. I beat one, and then I'm a bit into two. I, I've rescued, like, or not rescued, I've recruited the first members of your teams, and I just did the colony that you have to save from the collectors. So I'm only, like, you know, the first, like, act or something. But one is, is an interesting game, I found. Like, they do make a lot of improvements to kind of how it works, and, like, the HUD is improved, the Mako is improved. The Mako still sucks. You cannot. You can the polish that bad. turd. Yeah, yeah, it's just nothing that you do in it is fun, no matter what they improve on it. Here's like, the, here's the thing to me. Like they made all these planets that were, I think, procedurally generated. Mm -hmm. Why did they make them all mountainous? Why yeah, couldn't they exactly. have made them relatively flat? There was. You get to the one, and it's like mostly a water planet, and like there's not too many mountains in it. It's like the only one, and I'm just like, oh, thank Christ! I've been waiting for you. Where have you been all my life? Yeah, like, it took you like insane. 15 hours to figure out to make a planet with flat surfaces was the most enjoyable yeah. to drive on. Yeah, and like, you know, you can make it easy on yourself by like driving around the mountains, but I'm a kind of like straight line kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> As everybody is when they see this. Oh, I can go up the mountains. Okay, let's go up the mountains. So it just makes it harder on yourself. It's just it's just busy work is what it is. It's stupid. It's actually an homage to um, a game called Star Force 2, which had a similar vehicle and procedurally generated planets that you could, I think are procedurally generated, don't quote me on that, that you, you know, ran around in and everything. It's a PC game from the 90s. And um, I just read an article about it last night, and I shared it in the Slack. It is extremely, Mass Effect is an extreme homage to that, that game. You should definitely read that article. I will, yeah, I didn't know that. So that's Yeah, it's like to the point where, like, they should get a writing credit. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, the the thing about the first Mass Effect, what, what obviously what makes it great is, um, you know the the story and the characters and like the world building and everything. Like, the, I like the characters in Mass Effect. The story is okay, but really it's the setting, it's the the world, like the the different 
um, the alien species and the issues they have with each other, that's what makes it interesting. You know, like I like Garrus, I like uh, Talia and, and Artali and, um, you know, all those guys and everything, like Rex, Rex. you know. Like, I like them. I'm not, like, in love with them like some people are in love with Garrus. Mitch. Dude, I like I like Garrus less now. Maybe we can talk about that in a bit. Oh yeah, you, I I probably figure I can figure out why. But um, yeah. is it because all cops are bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so but I like those characters. But I really like oh the you know the help me out here. Moradin's Salarians. The Salar yeah the Salarians uplifted the Krogan so they could fight the Rachni and then the Krogan got a little uppity so we had to basically neuter them so they couldn't <laughs> spread and kill all the th like all that stuff is really interesting and really well thought out and that's the best part of Mass Effect that's why brief tangent Andromeda sucked because it completely did away with all that by moving to a new galaxy oh man but didn't didn't you read that article that we were we're being too hard on Andromeda and we need and it's underappreciated. I don't know how to read. <laughs> that's the, that's why the codexes read to you. It's yes. narrated, so you don't. Yeah, need to I read think it. that starts in the second game, or is that in the first game? It's is in it, the first game. Is it okay? Because I kept meaning to go back to him, but I was like, ah, and then I just finished the game and didn't uh, do it. So tell me about um, this heel turn for Garrus. One of the things that was weird to me about Mass Effect is like it's been a long time. That game came out in like 2007, so things have changed since then, and some of the characters read a lot differently now. Uh, Ashley, for example, uh, we like. I think everyone kind of like knew that Ashley was like low key xenophobic. Now it's like she is out and out there. Like she compares aliens to animals. She calls them pets. Yeah, uh, she's she, really a space racist. Yeah, she's definitely a space. And then she gives you a hard time for working with Cerberus. And I'm like, girl, you would definitely be working for Cerberus if you hadn't met oh, me yeah, first. Oh yeah, exactly. Now I understand if you let her live, you know she gets she becomes more tolerant in by the third game unfortunately ashley ain't ever gonna live in any of my games <laughs> nope i'm yeah i made the hard I, I made the hard choice to let the most boring man in the galaxy live this time instead of ashley yep i like oh you're basically a jedi but you kind of suck but you're not a racist so you're not <laughs> you're not a racist dude i play i played a female shepherd this time and you like you say one nice sentence to him and suddenly he's like oh, i thought we had something special i'm like dude i'm just trying to get paragon points all right i don't need everyone trying to jump into my spacesuit here yeah they definitely give you like you can tell which ones are the default love interest like if you're a male shepherd like i am and you um I'm I'm blanking on her name, the blue girl. Liara. Uh, Liara. Um yeah, if uh you just basically like, Hey Liara, I'm Shepard, nice to meet you and then just like pfft, moistens like right in front of your <laughs> eyes. <laughs> like it's like, Whoa, whoa, calm down. Like she just can't wait to jump your bones because the game wants that to be like, you know, the default um path that you take. And I ended up going with it because in the first game there's really not a lot of options. It's either no, her or really. the racist, right? Um, yeah. You can't you can't even give you know Tali a bang, so um, you can in the second game. Yes, you can, but unfortunately in the second game Miranda has my heart, so that that's fair enough. <laughs> among other things. <laughs> Sorry, I really I really love Chuck. So when I saw her in the game, I was like, <laughs> we're gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck it Chuck is an entertaining show for sure. Yes. but yeah, I guess I guess I'll stop beating around the bush. I'll finally get to it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, Garrus was my favorite character back in when I originally played the games in Mass Effect. He just seemed like a chill bro who was always down to help you out. Uh, turns I believe out it was a tie he... between Garrus and Kenny from The Walking Dead as to who really had your heart, right? 
Listen, Kenny had some good ideas, all right? <laughs> he he wanted to kill that old dude who was clearly turning into a zombie, and I agreed. But Garrus is not a chill bro. Garrus is a cop who is frustrated with due process and wishes he could just crack kneecaps uh, whenever he felt like it to get the job done. Yeah, I totally <laughs> I was, forgot I was... about the parts where he's like talking about like interrogating somebody and just beating the shit out of them. Like... Yeah, there's there's a few things. In Mass Effect 2, when you go back to the Citadel, there's also that CSEC officer who's like, you know, if you're interrogating a suspect, you really got to make him squeal to get the info out of him. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. Like, that kind of that stuff reads a lot differently now than it did back in 2007. It's kind of weird to hear Garrett, like, if you go the Paragon route, you can teach Garrus, like, hey, man, maybe excessive force isn't always the solution to every problem. Because that is his go-to. Like, every time he runs into an issue, he's just like, if I didn't have all this damn red tape and I could have just blown him and his hostages out of the sky, we wouldn't be in this problem. I'm like, dude. <laughs> I yeah, don't that... feel like that's the attitude a police officer should have. No, definitely not. Which is, which is um, the saving grace is, like you said, if you're a Paragon, you can be like, hey, don't do that. And then he, you know, changes for the better and everything. And if you're a renegade, I guess you can lean into it. Um, yeah. So the fact that you can have an influence on him and change him for the better, uh, you know, that's good. And that's the reason that the character is like that. He's this way, and based on how you play it, you can influence him. Uh, so that's, like, okay, right? If they if that wasn't the case, if he still was that way, no matter what you did, then that would be problematic. But I think because right. you you can change him for the better, um, I think it's okay. You can You can still like him after you change him. Yeah, and he, he ends up leaving CSEC anyways, so he's not he's not a cop anymore, so... Yeah, but doesn't he go on, like, a, a Ronin from Endgame type, like, murder spree or something? Yeah, I mean, he still ends up committing extrajudicious murder on Omega because he's frustrated with, like, bureauc- bureaucratic inaction, so not... Still not great, Garrus. Yeah. Um, no, it's baby steps, baby steps. Yeah, I mean, he went, he went from... He went from being part of the law to taking the law into his own hands, which, like, w- we still got a ways to go, buddy. You should, you need to back it down a little bit. Yeah. But, um, who, so he's, um, was he still your favorite from the first game? Uh, I like Tally a lot more this time. Yeah, me too. I, I was, there, um, there was, a, like, an article or whatever, and it was like, oh, Tally is, like, the most popular squad mate for the first game. And it's like, yes, but not because she's well-written. It's because all you're fighting is Geth, and she's fucking awesome at fighting Geth. <laughs> like, people take her along because she kicks ass. Yeah, basically. Uh, and I do like Tally. I, yeah, I like Tally as a character, too. She's like One of the interesting things about Mass Effect 1 is when I played it originally, I was like, oh, man, everyone in this game has so much dialogue. You can talk to them forever. Not really. They kind of no. have two major conversations you can have with them, and then they just repeat their last conversation with you. So I ended up finding Tally's information for her pilgrimage like super early on in the game kind of by accident and then I never needed to talk to her again yeah that's how I felt too I always remembered it as being like oh man after every mission you go and talk to him and something changes and it takes you know you're you're talking to him so much and then in when actually playing it you're like oh no and then you're like was I thinking about Mass Effect 2 you know um when I had that you know they, they all mesh in my head when I had that memory yeah because um, you're right it's just basically like two big major conversations with each of them and then that's it. So yeah, they did a really good job of like kind of window dressing the game to make it look deeper than it actually is. Because like the side quests, they're basically all the same thing. You go to a planet, you go through one of three 
pre-generated rooms. You kill some right. guys and you leave. I mean, there's, yeah, I... there's still some interesting side quests in this game, but there's nothing that really stands out. Like not compared to the loyalty missions from Mass Effect Two or anything like that. No, and that's one thing I wanted to mention is um, I just I just got to the part where you get the Normandy. You know, so now like I can start my recruitment missions and all that stuff. Oh yeah. Um, but like, so just the structure of Mass Effect Two is just so satisfying because like I did the um, you know, the the first mission where you run into Tally and everything, where the collectors have taken the colonists, and yeah. you go through it. You don't have to, you don't have to drive the Mako anywhere. You just land. When the mission's done, the mission ends. You get a little screen with the elusive man and like all the you know this is what you did this is the stuff you found this is your experience this is the money you got and then here's your then then you get the ship and it's just like here's a list of a bunch of missions and, and characters you can go and do and it's just that is a very satisfying easy structure it's it's just fun it's fun and it's inviting to like keep doing more oh just just one more little mission you know that kind of thing yeah, they really streamline kind of how it goes. Mass Effect still, Mass Effect Two still has a lot of busy work, less compared to the first game. I forgot how tedious scanning planets is. Oh no no no, dude! Let me tell you something. Oh scanning, yeah, break it down. Scanning planets is fun. I love scanning planets. Like literally, I remember when they were like, "Oh, the Reapers are coming to Earth in Mass Effect 3. I'm like, sorry, I got scanning to do. I got time for you, Reapers. It's so addicting. I love scanning planets. I, I had kind of forgotten that you needed to get a bunch of resources and do a bunch of research for your ship. And I, I, I was just like, oh, yeah, I got to do it. Because I played that game a bunch back in the day. So this is kind of my own fault for having done this gameplay loop like five or six times. Mm -hmm. See, I've only played but, each of them once. So this is, oh, uh, okay, so. This is nice. Yeah. So that's good for you, but yeah, I've been, I've engaged with that those mechanics quite a few times. So I was just like, oh man, I forgot about all this stuff. I mean, it's not it's not bad, uh, and I don't hate doing it, but I was just like, oh, I forgot about I forgot about how much of this you have to do. Yeah, maybe I'll hate it um, the second time through, but I just always remember loving that. Um, one, that's one of the other things uh, I wanted to mention is I never, you know, I never I know some people like play these games over and over again. Um, there's just so much dialogue and like where you got to like talk past like certain you know you got to get through the dialogue and get through the the, the the world building and the the setting and all that um that it's not one of those games that like i really want to replay over and over again because you just got to get through all the same bullshit again you know what i mean yeah um so it's never been one of those games that i wanted to, to like oh i want to play it again this way and this way like i do but i want there to be years in between each one you know what i mean yeah for sure i mean i think 2 has the most replayability if you majorly mess up the suicide mission the first time, because then you yeah. know that you can go and correct everything. But I think as soon as you figure out, like, it's not that hard to do. You're just like, okay, make everyone loyal, uh, buy all the upgrades for your ship, no problem. But, I mean, if you kind of skip some of the steps the first time, you're like, okay, I want to do that again and do it better. I don't want to go into Mass Effect 3 with two people alive, right? Right, yeah, no. I think when I first played it, because I did all the loyalty missions and I managed to figure it out, I don't think anyone died. And I'm going to try to go for that again. Uh this time one, one of the things that you know about replaying this is you start to see like the um the smoke and mirrors of your choices and everything yes and that's i've heard that a lot from people who've played it but having only played it once and now i'm going on my second time that doesn't really matter to me because i'm not going to you know i'm not going to try to like suss it all out you know what i mean i just want to play it and then see my choices 
and the ramifications. I'm not looking to go behind the curtain and see the wizard, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and having played three, I think that you know how most of the major decisions wrap up. So it, yeah, it's with not an really email. like a... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's true. Or in the case of the Rachni, uh it doesn't matter. You yep. can just have done whatever you wanted. Oh, man, that was the most disappointing thing because I agonized over that Rachni decision. And, like, years would go by before Mass Effect 3, and I'd be like, did I make the right call <laughs> in giving them that and giving them the acid bath? Um, oh, I, I let them go, but yeah, it turns out that the Reapers just made synthetic Rachni anyway, so who cares? Yeah, exactly. And then they betray yeah. you or something like that. Yeah. So. And it, and if they don't, they add to your war asset, which like, I, I never really even cared about that system that much because I just played multiplayer in that. Also yeah, I'm curious to see how the. Uh, I'm curious to see how the the war asset thing works now without the multiplayer. They retune that so you don't have to do it. So, but I, I don't, I don't have firsthand experience. But I think they've retuned it so to take account for the fact, dude. I've been playing some of that multiplayer again recently because, like, it that still was works. Good. It's, that it's was good. so good. It it's really, really good. good. We had, we played, we had so much fun playing that back in the day. Like that I was just a good time. We, yeah, I remember we had like several gamer sushi shows back when Mass Effect came out, where we'd wrap up the cast and someone would be like. So y'all want to do some multiplayer? And then we just all immediately go and hop on yeah, and play the, a few rounds. The the three games, and this is not unique uh, to us because it was the three big 360 games that were like this. Uh, it was the Mass Effect 3, Halo Reach, and Years of War 3. Yep. Uh, the horde mode where we would just get a bunch of people and get on there and just, man, play all night. Man, those are, those are the days. Those were the days. Yeah, they, they they said they're interested in bringing the multiplayer back to three, but for the legendary edition. But I guess I guess we'll see how that goes. I'm sure that wouldn't be a a simple process. Otherwise, they probably would have done it. Yeah, I guess maybe they want to see how sales go, or if people, if there is an interest in that, because it's it's kind of a niche thing. I don't know if it would it stand is. up to, you know, Apex Legends and Warzone and Fortnite and all the other bullshit that you know multiplayer games that are out there. There's a lot of competition for that time now. So I don't know if there they think is. it would be. And plus, are they going to do it without microtransactions? What if no, they did probably it? What not. If, what if they brought it back and they did the, all the loot box bullshit microtransaction thing? People, oh God, I want them to do it. I want them to do it. <laughs> that would completely eradicate all the goodwill that this release would yes, have. Yes, we would be right back to burn Bioware to the fucking ground. Yeah, you've got a short reprieve here, Bioware. Don't mess it up. That's right. Yeah. Your grace but period yeah, is over. Exactly. We'll never forgive you for... Anthem and whatever else you've done recently, I don't even know. Andromeda. Andromeda, but yeah, that's Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I mean, you, you know, it's good to go back to that series and revisit it and experience some of the nostalgia. Like, you, you do see some of the places where the game maybe doesn't j- me- mesh well with your memory of it, but I mean, like, that's okay. I mean, it yeah, doesn't really. It's not supposed to. It's not supposed to yeah. be timeless. G- games are very difficult to be timeless i don't think there are many timeless video games outside of the snes era so yeah i mean this doesn't this doesn't like ruin my childhood right like i'm able to appreciate those days more actually but yeah and going back and playing mass effect 2 i think um still stands as one of the greatest games ever made oh yeah absolutely that i think everyone can agree on that like yes that year was crazy. Mass Effect 2, Red Dead. Red Dead. Yeah, I remember there was a big deal. It was like, what's your game of the year, Mass Effect 2 or Red Dead? Yeah, exactly. It was like, which side Cla- are you on? Clash of the Titans. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, before we wrap up here, um, some big <laughs> Star Wars news coming out this week. Anthony, uh, 
J.J. Abrams apparently admitted that it would have been better for them to have a plan for the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. Uh, my thoughts are, no shit, J.J. Back to you. Yeah, and there we have it, folks. Uh, maybe you should have had some scripts written out for your multi-billion dollar sci-fi franchise. I don't know. Just a thought for next time. Just maybe like an endpoint. Just maybe like, oh, you know, this is the start. We want it to end like this and how we get there. Hey, we'll figure that out. You know, somehow, somehow Palpatine has returned. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> the, well, real quick, the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like when, when the Phantom Menace came out and it was disappointing. It was like disappointing and like polarizing, but like there still was enough in it that you like. You know, you oh, I love, at least I like Darth Maul and the lightsaber fights and this and that, and. It was just really execution that was the problem in yeah. the Phantom Menace, and same with Attack of the Clones. I think I still think Attack of the Clones is mostly enjoyable. Oh um, God, no! <laughs> I like the Obi Wan stuff, and you get to see Padme in a uh, a corset, so you know it's got its moments. But uh, the thing with the Rise of Skywalker is just every bit of it is just dumb and wrong-headed. And it just completely sucks the enthusiasm that you have as a Star Wars fan out of you. You just want to be like, what am I fucking doing with my life? Like, <laughs> what the fuck am I doing? This is awful. Like, yeah. it is, it just actively, it's, just, it's deflating is what it is. It's And it's the first time a Star Wars movie has ever just taken the wind out of me. I, I remember watching that movie and like the first thing that when they were doing the light save the light speed skipping, I was like, okay, I already know this is going to be bad, but I'm going to give it a fair shake. I'm at least going to try to enjoy myself. And the movie is just like, oh, you thought wrong, dude. I am going to make you actively hate watching me this whole time. Yeah, it's, you know, and it sucks because I think that cast is great. I think Daisy Ridley is just fantastic. Like, even though I didn't like the movie, um, you know, I still was like in tears at the end because of the music and the visuals and, you know, Daisy Ridley's performance and all that. Like she still sells it and you're like, okay. But then it, like the lights go on, you walk out, you drive home and you're like, what the fuck did I want? Like, it's bad when you're like sitting there in the movie theater the first time and all I'm doing is writing tweets in my head. <laughs> like, I've just got like 45 tweets written in my head by like the third act and I'm just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've, you've got your hot takes cued. Oh man, I was ready. I couldn't like wait to like get home and just start firing those out. <laughs> and we all and we all did. Yes. We were all united in our hatred of the rise of Skywalker. But yeah, I think that's where we're gonna we're gonna call the cast for tonight. Bit of a shorter one this time. This is kind of the length we'd like to keep them going forward. Yeah, uh, short and sweet. Short and sweet. You know, not you. Don't, we don't want to just a hit. We don't want to get you uh, give you too much. So you keep coming right. back the next time. So. But yeah, appreciate uh, everyone tuning in for our second episode of the Perfectly Balanced Podcast. I have been uh, Mitch. And I have been and always will be Anthony. <laughs> Do you want to plug any of your social media? Uh, yes, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Edgewalker81. And uh, Mitch, is there a... Uh... Now, you don't really do Twitter, so... I don't really do. I don't really do Twitter. I was thinking of pl- plugging my Letterbox, but uh, maybe next time I'll have to think about that. I do like reviewing movies on Letterbox, though. You can go check out that Army of the Dead review. <laughs> yeah, I gave it one and a half stars, which I like. Originally, I gave it two, and I was just like, I don't think I can hang with the two, so I changed it to one and a half. And I just want to um, 
mention we don't know when our next podcast will be. It might be sometime in the middle of June after like Ratchet and Clank has come out, just to give us something to talk about. Give me something to talk about there. Uh, if not, maybe we'll wait till uh, Black Widow comes out and we'll talk about that and maybe do the Marvel ranking then or something like that. We're still playing with ideas. If you have any uh, comments on it, respond to uh, the podcast's uh, Twitter account. Uh, if I'll, if I can tell you what it's called, uh, it's at, Pod. at PerfBalPod. Uh, yep. That's P-E-R-F-B-A-L-P-O-D. Yep. Go over there, tell us what you think, and uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll see y'all next time. Thanks for listening. How's it going?